You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders, academics and members of the community to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to be joined by Malin Schuyler, the Executive Director of YouthWorks, which is a non-profit community-based organisation that creates opportunities for disconnected youth to become engaged and valued members of their community. So welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Can you can you tell us a little about YouthWorks and particularly about the Shelter Now project? Yes. Okay, so YouthWorks, I founded YouthWorks with the help of some young people that are Santa Fe natives in 2001, um, recognizing from the position I was in in the community to... Um, for the need f- to fill some gaps where young people were being sort of offloaded into the community without any s- system or or care from from any place and putting them to work and getting them productive and delivering skills and education so they could bootstrap up and get back into society correctly. Um, Shelter Now um, is an initiative that you helped, you and the Interfaith Leadership Alliance helped YouthWorks um, throw together quickly last winter to address the homeless youth and young adult population that wasn't being properly addressed by current resources. And um, we got a seed funder came around noticing and caring about homeless youth and gave us a couple of weeks to find match funding and resources to get young people off the street. And we came to the Interfaith Leadership Alliance Executive Committee and begged for assistance and were pleasantly surprised, actually shocked and amazed that we could get that kind of help that quickly and kind of found our soul partners in you, um, all of you. And this program, the Shelter Now program, ran for four months, wasn't it? It did. It was 99 nights and days. Um, the, The nighttime staff rotated with our young people that were being referred in because they didn't fit in any other shelter situation or there wasn't room um, into various faith-based organizations, um, Temple Beth Shalom for one. Um, and we spent a week at each of those um, faith communities in sanctuaries, on the floor. Um, absolutely just the, the point being keeping people warm and... Beyond that, Shelter Now brought the faith community into the realization that even though we've got Pete's Place, even though we've got youth shelters, even though we've got St. Elizabeth's, all incredible efforts, incredible agencies working very hard, the need is not met. And so um, the, the congregation members pitched in to feed young people, to um, meet with them, to mentor them, to recognize them. Um, with humane compassion, and that's that's what all young people need, but especially young people who have no safe shelter, no home. 
They need relationship. So how is it with the other places that are in Santa Fe? How is it that they didn't have a place themselves? Right. Um, every, every organization, nonprofit, has you know, basic sources of funding. And the funding controls what you can and can't do in many cases. Um, and I'm not going to go down the list of who has what and what they can do and what they can't, but there's only so many beds. There's, there's a certain criteria. You have to meet a list of criteria in many organizations, um, be a certain age. And they're, they're really in the U.S. still um, the, the horrible age of 18 approaches for foster youth, for young people whose families have um, abandoned them in some way, and all of a sudden you're an adult and you're supposed to have enough resources to house yourself, go to college, have a career, have a car, be capable. And it's not really a fair age any longer, given the cost of things, affordability for housing, um, car insurance, how to save, banking. If you haven't been taught any of that, and you turn 18, mm. and there's no one there to support you. You're, you're really, really down and out and out of luck pretty quick. Is this something new? Um, has society changed to the point that being 18 is much harder now than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago? Are there different expectations on young adults now? Um, I have a lot of opinions about that. I... What I see every day, because YouthWorks keeps its door open, so we we experience the full gamut of young people suffering um, and searching, and um, many of them have enough resources to pull up pretty quickly and attach to the job and finish their GED or pursue college from just a point of support. Mm-hmm. But many are suffering from mental health issues that our country doesn't necessarily address properly. Um, the resources are limited. You have to have the wherewithal to even know how to get Medicaid, insurance. Um, you can't just walk in so easily and get help to any treatment mm-hmm. situation. You have to have the avenues set up for you or be you know, resourceful enough to get those. Um, Substance abuse problems are massive. We're all watching the opioid crisis across the nation. That is not new. It's just now in the news in a very big way because it's affected even um, the most advanced levels of our populations, right? right. Highly educated. Um, even our you know, professors, our, our doctors are affected. So we're, we're, it's not just the people that... Um, are scrambling for shelter that are, are in trouble. Our whole country's in trouble. And 30 and 40, 50 years ago, people lived in tight communities and families stayed closer together. That's not the way our economy works anymore. Right. So everyone gets spread out, um, and that's caused quite a bit of distress. Um, New Mexico, I'm not going to go into data and stats, but mm. New Mexico's very, very poor. So, and the culture here is kind of fend for yourself after a certain age. And that happens. And when things are unaffordable, um, you can become homeless very quickly. It's interesting to me when you're talking about how 
society as different people were much closer together mm -hmm. in previous years. And that really picks up for me the, on the phrase disconnected youth. Um, what can they connect to? Um, I mean, they can come to Sirius, they can go, uh, d walk down Sirius Road and, and come into YouthWorks. But do you find people are, do you find that they're more disconnected? Do you find it's, it's harder for young adults to connect today? I, I think so. I do think so. Uh, if you aren't a traditional um, student in school where there's a built-in social structure that you, you know, function within and you know who your peers are, you know the adults that you can rely on in that system, if you're not in that, then you're, you have so much freedom that you're alone. And aloneness is what is so shocking. Each young person that we encounter that is in unstable housing situation, um, the disconnected is not just about how they can't get resources. It's about human relationship. And they've been failed by others somewhere along the line. And trust is lost. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you become hardened very quickly to trusting others and finding a community that you can attach to and trust is very, very difficult. So does this mean that some people are, some young adults are almost fast-tracked towards homelessness from an early age because of the lack of support or because of the breakdown of trust within relationships that should be trusting? I is that where things are headed? I, I don't think things are headed there. I think we're there. we're there. I think we're there, and I'm sitting here with you, and you represent the ILA, and the ILA as 2,500. I'm making up a number. Congregation members are 3,000, yeah, um, are a community that are, is joining and has had this as a focus for, for a long time, but we can't just stop at, We've gotten, you know, certain things done. The problem continues to um, evolve, and we have to s keep our attention on what is the most important um, part of our society. And if you, if we can't, as a community of three thousand and some nonprofits, take care of this community, mm -hmm. um, then we're moving too quickly, and we're losing focus on what's really important, and that's the connection. And I'm not really even tying to the word disconnect, but that's the connection that we can all survive on, right? Love and compassion, and we can share what we have. And that's what we're doing is sharing. You're sharing. We're sharing um, all of our resources during the day when we're running Shelter Now. Our case management team works with our young people that are homeless to get them more and more stabilized. And by, by doing that work and reapplying all of our skills every day, those resources start to tease out and um, we're building trust. That's the other thing, is building trust. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point something out to you. Please. The first night that we ran Shelter Now was at Temple Beth Shalom. Mm. Um, and that was four days after the Interfaith Leadership Alliance agreed to house, mm. which, by the way, is an incredible turnaround. Our this, you are not a bureaucracy. No. Thank you for not being a bureaucracy because <laughs> that's too hard to work with when you need something immediately done. Um, the first night, our young people came. You 
noticed how everybody came in and put their sleeping bags in as far mm. away corner from the next person yeah. to be alone, to yeah. stay alone and feel protected. Because that's all they've been able to do is learn how to trust themselves. Mm. And by the end of our four months, that wasn't true any longer. Yeah. And they had built a family amongst themselves, but also amongst all the congregations that they were with, sharing food and stories and breakfasts. And The transformation for me, just witnessing this program over the weeks, was really mind-blowing in terms of, of holding people, holding these young adults together and saying, there are people who care about you. Right. Um, and, and youth works particularly leading that and, and leading the faith communities and saying, here's what we need from you. I was particularly struck, and, and we're going to take a break in a moment, but I was particularly struck by um, something that one of the young adults said to me on the first evening when he was with us and we were sitting and playing board games and trying to break down barriers and he burst into tears. And I asked him what was wrong and he said, nobody has spoken to me for a year. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was so hurt by that, um, so wounded to hear that somebody who's a lovely young man had felt so isolated, so alone, as you said. So when we come back from our break, I'd like to explore that more and, and how, mm-hmm. do we, how do we respond to that? How do we deal with that? So okay. you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR uh, with Rabbi Neil Amswich, my guest today, Melin Schuyler, the Executive Director of YouthWorks. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening is the wonderful Melin Schuyler, the Executive Director of YouthWorks, um, which uh, helps, as we've been hearing, these really disconnected, alone young adults who have learned to mistrust or have learned to trust only themselves and who therefore fall through the cracks of, of society itself. I do wonder... You mentioned about the economy before, about how our economy is is not based on community anymore. Is our world now basically one of winners and losers? Is this something that we should almost accept? As a, not, not accept because we feel it's morally correct, but accept in the sense of this is how society is now. You know, this is the, the economic um, way of life that there will always be winners and losers now. Right. I'm I'm probably not the person to ask about that, but I'm going to say what I know. Um, living in this community is over many years, YouthWorks is almost 17 years in existence. Um, we have had a huge impact as an organization on economic development in this community by raising disconnected youth into employable mm. um workers, laborers, and getting people to college. So coming out of a place of um, aloneness and um, lack of resources can be changed if the community will invest. So, So we can spend a lot of time thinking about the world and the world economy, but what we really need to invest in is who are our neighbors? Who do we walk past on the street? What does our local government see and do? How can we inform them that they need to really focus on how they can take care of their own? Mm. Um, And um, YouthWorks in particular has spent a lot of time 
doing public improvement projects as a way to train and get skills to young people. Mm-hmm. We do it publicly as much as possible so people see, oh, those are young people that I normally think I'm scared of mm-hmm. or I would turn away from on the sidewalk. But look at, they're improving the river. They're snovel- shoveling snow. They're um, doing wildland firefighting, thinning work. And mm. if we, if young people who've been disconnected can turn and give back, then what can, what can the everyday person do to give? And it doesn't mean shelling out cash. You can, I mean, we need clean socks for mm. people. I mean, it's, it goes as down to the basic needs to just even turning your attention on to, I'm going to look someone in the eye. I'm going to say hello. I'm not going to spend my um, existence in fear and shut my door and look away. It's keeping the door open to possibility. And, and what are we here for rabbi? Mm. Right. I often talk with my staff and young people about uh, the feeling that we have is that we're here to be in relationship with each other. See, this is an extraordinary perspective because because so often so many people will walk past homeless people on the street, literally not acknowledge their presence. As we mentioned just before the break, this this young adult who no one had spoken to him for mm-hmm. a year. Um, and and of course, that has the potential to lead to, you know, difficult mental illness issues right. and so on. That, uh, But also resentment of the rest of society. Why do you think people so often do this? Why do we look the other way so often is is it just fear you mentioned fear before is it embarrassment of what we have or that we haven't done our duty to others where is it for you well i think you're probably right i think it is i i'm here in this moment i'm walking past somebody that i'm uncomfortable around um and there's there's fear attached to that like how do i relate to somebody that is disheveled dirty right we're all supposed to look a certain way and behave a certain way in the world, right? Mm. And to be accepted. But I do think there is some internal um, checking, like, you know, what could I really do to help somebody? And oh, the idea of if I handed them money, they're going to use it wrong. Um, Maybe it's not for us to judge. Maybe it's right. Do what you can in the moment, even just eye contact and hello. I, I know my parents told me never look a stranger in the eye right uh-huh. turn your head i don't think that that's how the world should be anymore i think we have to pull in closer and take care of each other um the the big world news is you know everyone's harming everyone well we can stop that if we all start taking care of each other my neighbors my the people that walk into the youth work store and if you can give the littlest thing that develops a little bit more trust and self-investment, right? I, I want more of this. How right. can I have more warmth, food, care, conversation, right? See, it, it's so moving to hear you talk about this because so often in our society, we're so focused on economic development mm-hmm. and not so openly about social development. And what you're saying here, as I hear, is... Economic development can take care of itself, but actually without that social development, 
what's the point of that? It's a, it becomes a cold, almost um, heartless society. Right. And so, so for you, uh, if, if I'm hearing you right, that the fostering of those relationships is the most important thing, particularly for these disconnected youth. Right. Right. Well, everybody has their, everybody has internal drive right. um, and hope. Um, anyone that walks in the door, they're, they're not walking in to take anything. They're walking in to seek, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like um, parishioners, mm-hmm. right? Like people going to church, they're seeking something. And it's not, church isn't just, you know, read the, read the written materials mm-hmm. that tell you where you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to exist. It's about sitting next to somebody and exchanging ideas. So if you're just alone... Right. Yeah. You can't do that and you can't see how you should fit in. And where where is the chink in the armor that I can fit in? Right. Right. Everyone has a place. It's just some people have been pushed further and further back from that. And they should have open arms to explore and become. Those of us have been um, lucky enough to keep shelter. Right. And and have a family of some form. Um have that ability, have someone reflect right. in, into your eyes how they love you and how you matter. And so why can't we just do that out in the world? Why, can that, why does that just have to be in our own personal relationships? You mentioned such an important word. I don't know if you even realized you did it, which is about we are so lucky that. Right. Because ultimately, it, it's totally by chance, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes. You know, when I go past somebody, and, and I wonder if that might be also part of the reason why some people turn away, because we know instinctively that had I not been brought up a certain way, had my parents not had this much money, had I not been lucky enough to mm-hmm. get this job, had I not been lucky all the way through our lives, had I not been lucky enough too, then we could have been there. And, and, and is, is there almost that sense of when, when you work with these um, disconnected youth mm-hmm. with, to these vulnerable young adults, is it just the sense of it's just been really unlucky for them and, and we are the lucky ones? Yes, it, it does. You hear the stories, right? That when they start to reveal their story, it is just a series of um, pathways and obstacles that got put in front. Young people are are vulnerable, and it should be the adults that are taking care of them. Mm. Um, they don't they don't know how to navigate without guidance. We they need guidance, so there's a way to do that. But it is just poor luck. Mm. But anyone's poor luck could change at any given time if they can maintain hope. So it's just giving that little piece of hope here and there and you know believing that that exists for everybody and holding that in your heart and in your presence and that's clearly what youth works does i mean anyone who has um, worked with you or worked with youth works really gets that sense of you know yes you have had a difficult time but there is hope and if you're involved in this and if you engage in this we can help turn this around definitely. right yes I'm, I'm struck as an Englishman there's a an, an important story that I remember seeing in the newspaper when Prince Charles went to visit a homeless shelter and he's talking to the individuals there and one of them looks up at him and says you don't remember me do you 
And he said, I'm terribly sorry. No, I don't. And the man says, we were in Eton together. Mm. And, and the, the dynamic, I mean, the newspaper headlines were the prince and the pauper. I mean, how could mm. they not? But these two individuals who, who both started off with life so lucky um, to be able to go to Eton and to have such riches and so on, and one ends up as the future king and the other ends up in a homeless shelter, for me was so powerful right. in terms of how quickly we can go from, from one to the other. And what was interesting is that was the moment that gave that man a voice. And I guess one of my last questions is, is about that voice, the voice of the homeless, because in our society, they tend not to have a voice. Um, in, indeed, we tend to walk past them very often because we don't want to hear their voice, their challenge. Mm -hmm. How do we help the homeless community get a stronger voice in our society? I'm, I'm not... I'm not quite sure. Um, um, there are some efforts to try to capture data and information. There's an effort, actually, that YouthWorks has been involved in in Santa Fe um, to survey disconnected youth. We, we got the Santa Fe Community Foundation, Birth to Career Organization, interested, CYFD, the Department of Health. Um, the state regularly conducts surveying of risk and resiliency factors for young people that are in school. But there's no data right. for, so that's coming out actually very shortly. Um, I happen to have seen some of it, and it's coming in a matter of weeks. That's one way. But paying attention to what what we see in here, um, I, I want to say that um, nonprofits doors can be opened. Um, congregations are are looking at this issue. Your Interfaith Leadership Alliance, um, you're willing to help. It's about willingness, and and maybe there is a way to to ask for feedback from from people when they encounter you. And what do we do with that? Maybe you need to start a radio show <laughs> with right with right. homeless. I right. they're coming in droves. We in the winter we're going to see them. Um, rising up here any day. We already have young people coming in the door that are saying, I have no place to sleep. And I slept in the Arroyo last night, or I slept wow. right abandoned building, you know, behind the building already. And we're hoping that shelter now will get put back together. We're seeking funds from some of our original sources and local donors. And um, we have to keep doing this while we build a sustainable plan, but it takes the entire city, county, all of us to do it. It's we'll we'll you know s jump and scream up and down that we need help, but we actually need people to listen. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you should we should bring some homeless young okay. people through on your show, okay. or people that came through shelter now last year and yeah. can tell their story. Absolutely. Because it is hard to overcome the stigma and say, I'm currently homeless. It's right. very, very difficult. But if hopefully, I think it's a wonderful idea. And if hopefully we can have some of the young adults who went through the program and to, to share with the larger community, our, our listeners, um, just the, how powerful the work is of YouthWorks and of Shelter right. Now and how, transform, how transformative it has been for them. I think that would be wonderful. Okay, sorry, I'm prescribing the program wonderful. to you. That's wonderful. I'm okay. glad, I'm glad okay. you put me on the spot like okay. that. I think you're absolutely right to do <laughs> okay. so. We have to wrap up. So I, I just want to thank you. I, I want to thank you for your work because it is extraordinary work that totally transforms the young lives um, who we've seen. I, I've, I've never seen such a transformative program for young adults before. 
Um, and so thank you for, for bringing that to our show as well. Um, so you've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil, with my guest, Melin Schuyler from YouthWorks. Um, and I hope, I know you're hoping that residents from Santa Fe will particularly help with a Shelter Now project, which will hopefully come together this winter um, and help in terms of donations of time and money. And will hopefully they will come to you at YouthWorks and get in touch with you at YouthWorks to, to help take forward those offers of assistance. So uh, you've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.